This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to develop better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. Very excited today to continue a discussion that we started in a previous podcast. You know, we are known as a CPA profession for our technical skills, and we tend to emphasize our technical skills and tend to emphasize, oh, we're good at tax or we're good at tax returns. We're good at financial statements. We're good at audit. The challenge is, is that that may be what we care about, but that may not be what the client cares about. And we have a very special guest who is an expert in this area. And what we were discussing in our last time with our guest, Charlie Gilkey, was that it's really the dream of the client is what the client cares about. They care about how to get to where they want to go. I've never heard a client say, I want to know what I can't do. They want to know how they can do what they want to do. And specifically, how can they do what they want to do that will help them achieve their dream? And one of the challenges I find in our profession is that we don't spend enough time. In fact, in most cases, we spend no time talking about a client's dreams and aspirations. We really are very focused on the technical side of things. And I think that is a really a mistake because with technology, the way it's going, we're not going to be needed for the technical side nearly as much as we need for the advisory side. And the advisory side, again, all has to do with the future, not the past. I'll get back to this in a second. Now I have something specifically for CPAs. What if you could discover a simple way to double your profitability in the next 90 days without adding any new clients? That's right, whether you're a CPA, tax advisor, other tax professional, accountant, bookkeeper. In my newest resource, I will walk you through a simple five-step process that's proven to help you do just that. We have members of our network that have doubled their profitability in 90 days or less, and you can do this too. Now, to get your free copy, just go to wealthability.com slash CPA profit That's wealthability.com slash C-P-A-P-R-O-F-I-T. Get this new resource so that you can double your profitability in the next 90 days. So I want to welcome back uh, Charlie Gilkey. And Charlie, just remind us of your background, if you would. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me back. Um, So I am the creator of Productive Flourishing, which is um, one of the world's top websites for planning, planning, getting things done and really um, visualize or taking meaningful action on work that truly matters. Um, and it really focuses on people in creative knowledge working professions. So CPAs definitely fall under there. Prior to starting uh, Productive Flourishing, I was simultaneously completing my PhD in philosophy. So I'm an ethicist and social philosopher. And um, I was an Army Joint Force Military Logistics Coordinator which is a mouthful, but that means that I made sure that the Army, Navy, and Air Force were on the same sheet of music when it came to their logistics operations. And so, um, you know, as we talk today, Tom, you might see different elements being pulled out between that, whether it's that deeper sort of philosophical or 
um, social element that keeps us from taking action on things or whether it's the more practical army side of things. It's just like, here's what we got to do to make it happen. No, I appreciate that because, of course, we, we have to start and end with the dream. In between, we have to yep. actually do things, right? So mm-hmm. so actually setting up the plan and accomplishing the plan, it's, um, it's actually why I think CPAs are best suited of all the professions. We are the best suited to help a client reach their dreams. First of all, we're likely the most trusted professional that they work with, certainly the most trusted financial professional. And second of all, we understand numbers. And so um, where we went with this uh, many, many years ago, uh, my predecessor firm of WealthAbility, uh, we started looking at a client's dreams. And what we found was is that, A, first of all, most clients had never really thought about it. And Charlie, I don't know, do, do you find that odd or, or do you think that's normal or typical? I actually think that's fairly typical um, because there's just, let's face it, we get stuck in the you know whirlwind of life, the tyranny of urgent, the business of business. We're all saying the same thing, where we just get our heads stuck into you know whatever's going on that day or that week. And not not too many of us schedule periods of time where we actually reflect and dream and think you know, bigger than even what we want to do this year. So, I mean, when we really think about it, most people's horizon for their lifetime um, sort of goes year to year around New Year's um, and the resolutions thing. But a few people think, okay, what's this, what's this season of my life, this sort of decade of my life? What am I trying to build? What am I trying to transition into for the next season of my life? Um, those are conversations that a lot of people just don't have. Um, one, because they take time. But two, um, a lot of times, if we're really being honest, people don't know. Um, they really don't know because it requires really thinking about your values, your priorities. And sometimes it requires thinking about the um, limiting constraints that you placed on your life. And what I think we maybe talked about this last time, Tom, but if not, we're going to pretend like we didn't. What we have to understand is that change is hard for a lot of us. We're sort of schizophrenic in the sense of on the one hand, we always seek novelty, but on the other hand, we like things to stay the same. And that tension, I think, will come up a lot, especially when we start talking about finances, because we talked last time that we're really confused and, you know, there's, we all have number or we all have stories around numbers, but just like we have stories around numbers, especially when we put a dollar sign in front of it, we have sometimes stories about what change means. And so a lot of times when I'm coaching clients about the changes we want to make, because as a business coach and as an executive coach, one of the things that I'm always taking in line, especially if I'm working with an entrepreneur, is how am I helping this client become a millionaire? How am I actually helping this client build true wealth, assuming that's what they want to do? And one of the questions that I've learned to ask them is, okay, for that dream, what do you believe you're going to have to give up that truly matters to you? And that's one of the binds that people get into because we can talk about what it means to accrue wealth. But if you're not talking about the stories that people have about what that means for them and what they, how they think they're going to change in a negative way, you're going to get some unstated resistance as they start implementing those plans. 
It's a, it's a good point. It's a, a, I, I um, think it's a little bit like losing weight, right? What do we have to give up? You know, we have this picture of ourselves as this, you know, um, you know, six pack and, and, you know, we, we, we've got this endless energy and we're running marathons. What do we have to give up to get to, you know, to that position? And, you know, most of us aren't going to give up what Tom Brady gives up to do that. Right. And so I always think that actually the dream is the primary motivator. So, um, and I, I think that uh, a lot of times it's school, it's teachers, it's um, uh, unfortunately sometimes parents, uh, certainly grandparents, uncles, aunts that pretty much convince us as children that we can't have whatever we want. That uh, something, you know, some dream here, some dream there is unrealistic. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I was uh, speaking. I was working with a client and the client had told me that they were making about $800,000 a year. So not bad. And Mm -hmm. that they were working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And their goal was in five years to retire and still make $800,000 a year on passive income. And Mm -hmm. I took that to a friend of mine and he was a fine, he, in his, past life, been a financial planner with one of the big brokerage houses. And I said, so what do you think? And, and the guy turns to me and goes, impossible. There is no way you can do that. And, uh, and I, I love um, what, you know, Walt Disney said about, you know, what's, what's fun is doing the impossible, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are, he's saying it's impossible. Within three months, he was a third of the way there, the client was. So what, what we've, actually developed over the years is a way for people to accomplish those dreams. But I think the very first thing is that we have to be willing to dream. I have, um, I have a four-year-old granddaughter and uh, we were at Disneyland last week for her first time. And uh, you know what? Everything was possible to her. She wasn't afraid of anything. The princesses came up. She was just chatting with them and having a good time with them. And she has no barriers. And it seems mm-hmm. to me, Charlie, that we develop the barriers over time and we have to somehow rediscover that. And part of what I think we have to do, even in our CPA profession, is help people rediscover their dreams. I absolutely think that's true. I mean, a few things to think about here. One, emotion drives action. Um, we think that it's mental stuff. We think that it's brain, like we can will ourselves to do it mentally. But at the end of the day, especially when you start talking about long-term endeavors, and building wealth is a long-term endeavor for most people right? Um, you got to have a really, um, you have to be motivated to do it over the long term and motivation depends upon emotion. And so in that way, sort of emotion drives action. Um, I think if CPAs aren't having a conversation about the relationship between wealth and guilt, they're, they're missing out on what's really going on for a lot of their clients. Because um, not everyone feels that way, but I've worked with enough people oh, and I sure. have enough friends that either have inherited a lot of wealth and they feel guilty and they don't know what to do with it. And it's almost like dirty money, like they're part of the mafia. So I, I, you know, sort of poke them and I'm like, so it's like mafia money. And they're like, no, it's not quite like that. But it's like, oh, so it's, you know, we sort of play through all the different ways they feel about it. But at a certain point, um, there's that guilt. And again, if you believe, if you have a, this dream of wealth, you have this dream of, and, and to be clear, I'm, I'm focusing on wealth because it powers other dreams. The right. only real of point of money is that it gets us other things. 
But if you believe or if you feel on the one hand that you're, um, you know, the idea of having wealth means that you're going to be guilty for different reasons, um, then that's a barrier that a lot of people have. And that comes from family of origin stuff that also just comes from our culture. You know, we have plenty of rich spiritual traditions that, you know, remind people that wealthy people sure. are unethical people. Sure. The root and of all evil. It, Money is the root of all evil. Harder to get uh, through a needle's eye, for a camel to get through a needle's eye than for a rich man to, to reach heaven. I mean, there's all, all sorts of spiritual. Uh, <laughs> like you say, spiritual history or religious history that would tell us that money is evil. Yeah, money is evil. So therefore, if you get money, um, you're always having to watch out for it. You always have to, you know, sort of be mindful of different things. And that, and that might be true. Maybe it's true that the more money you get. Well, um, the... and, and this is why, uh, don't mean to interrupt, but I, I really think this is why people lose money is because yeah. they feel guilty for having it. And so mm -hmm. they have to give it back. Mm -hmm. And they have to get it out. They have to get it away from themselves because, like you say, it's dirty. I mean, are you, do you find that? A lot of times I find that. I, a lot of times I find that. And it depends upon the pockets of communities that grow up and how one grew up. For instance, if one grew up in a wealthy background, um, they may not have that particular belief. Um, but I know plenty of people that grew up um, poor and working class that have developed wealth end up with like fighting that very tension. I know people from people um, who have people of color who have generated wealth have different tensions about how much of their wealth needs to be distributed amongst their family and their community. Like they're, it's not everyone is going to have the same belief, but I think if you, we're not looking as people who are financial advisors or adjacent to that, um, adjacent to in those industries, if we're not looking at these ways in which people will compromise their own dreams. Um, we're not really understanding what's keeping people from making the changes that we're trying to help them make. Okay. So here's, here's my big question for you, Charlie. So how, how do you get people, how do you get that out of people? How do you get people to find out what is the root cause of that guilt or anxiety or whatever it is that is keeping them from taking those steps to make money? Cause making money fundamentally is not that hard. So it's, yeah. it, you know, it's, you, you develop a, a plan of action, you go do it and you make money. So what, how do you pull that out of people? This is going to be the counterintuitive, what I believe will be the counterintuitive things for CPAs is it's, you know, close your computer screens, take away all of the papers and the spreadsheets and the charts and all the sort of things. Cause everything that we're talking about has nothing to do with those sort of things, right? You're, you're not going to rationalize and number your way through this conversation. Um, but part of it is um, slowing down. And again, I'm not a, a financial advisor in that way, but you know, I would have some dedicated time and I'm talking 30, 45 minutes of just talking about what these dreams mean to people and paying attention to their changes in expressions their micro micro expression, like do some deep listening. Um, and again, the questions that I like this sort of one of the power questions that I will ask is like, OK, um, for this dream or goal that you have, what do you think you're going to need to give up that matters to you? And you'll get all sorts of questions from it. Right. Or all sorts of answers from it. So largely because I help people build businesses, one of the stories I hear over and over again 
is that the amount of time and investment it's going to take to build that business is going to distance them from relationships that matter to them. So they're not going to be the mom they want to be. They're not going to be the, the wife they want to be. They're not going to be, you know, those types of people. And so the sort of next response that, you know, you have after some of that is saying, okay, does it have to be that way? Can you think of someone else who you think is a model or mentor who has managed to be an awesome dad and an awesome business person at the same time, right? And so you start having them come up with positive examples so that you show that their dream is possible, right? You show that real people, um, not you know people that they read on ink, but like real people they know have figured out how they can be, for instance, a person of character or a person in deep relationships and be a person that is, um, you know, has an abundance mindset around wealth. And, you know, I was talking to a client um, last week about this time and their part of our conversation was, was pivoting around deserving what was coming to her. Right. Um, and I said, you know, maybe let's not talk about this whole word of dessert because that gets tricky. What if we just allow for the good things to come to you? What if we just allow for wealth to come to you rather than getting talked about whether you deserve wealth or whether you deserve to be rich? That's a super hard conversation for most of us to figure out. But what would it be like for us to allow that to happen? What would it be like to receive that? What would it be like for it to be easy or for it to be something that doesn't compromise who we think we need to be? That opens up a lot of space for people because I think a lot of times we have the we have competing sort of cultural stories. One is that for you to deserve something, you have to work super hard, right? And so because, you know, dessert comes to the challenge and things like that. So if your client has that worldview, has that belief, and you're trying to explain to her the simple path to wealth, she's going to resist that because her deeper narrative is, well, for me to generate that type of wealth, I'm going to have to work really hard. I'm going to have to like blood, sweat, and tears. I'm going to have to like really do that. And it might just be that she needs a simple three fund ETF thing that she needs to invest a certain amount every month and have it be on auto on automatic and just do that for 10 years and it will work for her. But that's not the way that she understands receiving good things from the world. She understands that she has to work super hard. Right. And so, um, that's where to answer your question is really about understanding the mental and emotional landscape of your clients without necessarily going into counseling and therapy and things like that, but just understanding what they're doing so that when they resist you on something, you know that the resistance is not really about the top level plan. It's not really about the top level numbers. It's about this deeper belief they have about what it means to manifest good things in the world. No, I, I, I like that. And I see it all the time. I always, uh, I always tell our network members of our CPA network that uh, what we're really engaged in is personal development. And it's, it's the money's the easy part, you know, the, because that's numbers, right? Actually, mm -hmm. the numbers, you know, figuring out, for example, what we do is we'll sit down with the client, we'll actually pull, you know, help them state their dream, you know, really get to that. And then, you know, I, this is really good information on how to dig into that as to what would keep them from their dream. But then we quantify it, 
right? And nobody's mm-hmm. going to be better at quantifying a dream from a number standpoint, because it always takes money, like you said. Nobody's going to be better mm-hmm. at doing that than a CPA. What, what, we, what it seems like we have to do, though, is understand that there's a personal development side of this that we can't ignore. Um, I like what you say about, you know, emotions drive action. It's not our head that drives action. Our, our head will, you know, regulate how we act, perhaps, but it doesn't drive the action. It's the emotions that drive the action. So if we can pull the emotions, I mean, you think about, now, I, you know, my, my specialty is taxes, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. the only word that is more negative than taxes is death. Mm-hmm. And I talk about death at the same time because I'm talking about estate taxes and income taxes. So <laughs> I, ta- yeah, you know, we- here I am. Ta- here we are talking about two of the most negative emotions, and then on top of that, you add the third negative emotion, which is money. Yep. And so we are dealing with very emotional topics, and I think that the challenge we have is we haven't first dealt with them ourselves. Have, mm-hmm. have you? Do you? Exp- I mean, you work with other financial professionals. Have you found that challenge with financial professionals? I have definitely found that challenge with financial professionals. And um, I'm going to slide in two book recommendations that I think will really help awesome. um, people who want to take this further. The first is Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. Um, the reason I'm recommending that one is because as long as you're you're fighting with or you're frustrated with your clients because they're not acting rationally um you're you will be in this tough position as a cpa because it turns out most of the choices that we make come from i say emotion drives action but then Ariely says like it it comes from things so the field of behavioral economics is really um rich and popping right now but it's sort of turning our ideas of um understanding why what people do on its head so read that one, and it may help you understand that, yes, all of these rational plans, all of these numbers, all of the spreadsheets that you're putting in front of people that you think should motivate them, in fact, does not, right? And it gives some different ways of thinking through that. So that would be book one. The second would be The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay-Stanier. The book has seven super powerful questions that um, I think all of us in service-based businesses can get better about asking whether or not we consider ourselves a coach, but to become more coach-like and to be able to ask some of these questions, it's really the go-to book. So those two books are what I would recommend for having some of these conversations and understanding where your client is coming from. I always appreciate good book recommendations. While we're at it, would you talk about your book just a minute? Oh yeah. So my book, Start Finishing, is really a um, it's a bit of a Trojan horse um, because it, it seems to be a, a book about productivity, but it's really a book about changing your life. And the fundamental thesis of it is um, finished projects of a certain type um, create a bridge between your current life and the life you most want to live. And so a lot of times we're investing our time, energy, and attention in projects that aren't really making the change that we want to make. And when we look at where we want to go in our life, Um, We have ideas, but we haven't turned them into projects that actually end up on our schedule. So the book shows how to walk through there, how to come up with good goals, how to build success packs around your ideas, and then how to adjust and adapt as life inevitably, you know, takes a different direction than you thought it might. So that's really what the book is about. It's wrapped in a productivity wrapper, but it's really um, about changing your life because we become by doing. So 
three book recommendations. Thanks. Thanks no, for allowing me. No, to I, I, I appreciate that, Charlie, because I, I think that one of the challenges we have as CPAs is helping our clients develop the plan, but more so is once we've developed it, ha- helping them actually finish the plan, helping them achieve the plan. And so I, I think that your perspective is really enlightening that here we are, um, we've, it, it is a personal development function of helping somebody, you know, find out how to finish that plan and actually taking them through that and not just relying on the numbers, not just relying on the spreadsheets, but actually walking through, okay, how do I get somebody from their dream? First of all, understanding their dream to, you know, what it takes to accomplish that dream and then actually figuring out, all right, what's going to prevent them and how do we help them finish that plan? So um, did, I, did I get that about right, Charlie? You got that about right. And, and the question I would want CPAs to be focusing more on um, when we start talking about this is, you know, a powerful question I have for my work is, where does this plan live on your schedule? In other words, where are you making the time to implement this? A lot of times we have the project plan per se, but we don't understand that, you know, the two to four hours a month that it might take for a client to do this, there's no room on their schedule for them to do that, which means you're always going to be fighting with whatever else. And so if you're not really talking about when they're going to do what you're talking about and having, you know, accountability conversations around that, you're probably going to find that your successive meetings with clients start with, you know, them reporting about work they didn't do. Uh, I, I love that, Charlie. We um, when we start a new engagement uh, an engage, uh, with a new client, um, we tell them right up, up front that it's going to take them about two hours a week for the mm-hmm. next three to six months to, you know, to to develop and start implementing the plan that we're going to come up with. So what I find is, is that when we tell them that ahead of time, then they either say yes or no. Right. We, we give them permission to say, no, that doesn't work for me. Well, then this isn't a good engagement for us because we do require engagement from our clients. And I find that the more engaged the client is, of course, the better the client is. So um, absolutely. Uh, Charlie Gilkey, author of Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. Charlie, thanks so much. Any final tips for our audience here? Yeah, I, I think, you know, to wrap around what we're saying. To your point, Tom, you definitely have to figure out what the dreamscape is of your clients, but you also need to find out sort of what the emotional scape is. And I know that can sound really lofty, but with some of the book recommendations, just sitting down and understanding and asking those questions, I think are more important questions than the financial reports and the financial numbers that you ask for up front, because those are really what's going to be what's changing. Two, um, understand that lifestyle change is challenging. Um, even when we do have the numbers, um, because that's really what we're, if we're in a personal development business, we're also in a lifestyle change businesses. They go hand in hand. And so, um, you know, just understand that and communicate that with clients. And three, when it comes time for your clients to take action, you always want to be um, having the conversation that we sort of ended with here, Tom, is where does it live on your schedule? And remember when you're starting to talk about asking people, to carve out two hours a week or, you know, two hours a month or whatever that is, that's going to be a trade-off because they're doing something else with that time and always sell the gain from them doing that. Because when you're asking them to do that, all they're going to see is the pain of it. 
No, totally, totally agree. So thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Please subscribe on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, uh, leave a five-star review. We would love to hear from you. Please also share your comments and feedback. Let us know, are we on the right track? Or do we have the right guests? Are we, are we covering the right topics? Things that are useful for you as you build your CPA practice. And with that, I would just leave you that as we focus on our clients' dreams, we understand that emotions are what drive actions. We're always going to develop better clients, a better practice, and a better life. See you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.